0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Some Pharisees came, and to test Jesus, they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, "What is What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me; do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom as of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. The gospel of our Lord. Praise you may be seated. Grace and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The story is told by Pastor William Willimon about a bishop in his church body who explained to him her unwillingness to preach on this gospel text, which was assigned for the weekend services when she was coming to visit his congregation. And her reason was, as she said, I don't think I have the authority to come here as a visitor and to preach on a text that is potentially hurtful to many of your members. A very smart bishop, don't you think? I can see her point, though, because she did not know who would be sitting in the pew on that particular weekend or their particular circumstances. Well, one biblical scholar I was preparing for the sermon this week called this gospel reading a text of terror, because the text challenges our cultural sensibilities and because it is stern and is really somewhat cut and dry, it seems. And I know that most of us have probably had to deal with divorce in one way or another in our lifetime. Both of my sisters are divorced. One is remarried. My favorite aunt was divorced, too. And my aunt and sisters are divorced for many and various complex reasons, and I've often wondered how they felt when they would, how they might feel when they would hear these words from Jesus that are recorded in our gospel text for today. And perhaps just importantly, I wonder how divorced people, members, and my friends hear these words that are we read today in our gospel text. Beware, said one pastor about this gospel, as soon as you read the word divorce out loud, a whole sermon will appear in people's minds. Has that happened for you? Yes, a sermon will appear, and maybe immediately, this pastor suggested, people hear words of condemnation and failure directed at them. Or others might quickly judge people they have known or know. And others might relive the childhood angst The agony they felt because their parents were divorced. Until death parts us is a beautiful phrase. It's a beautiful promise which is found in our marriage service. But living out that promise can be rather complicated at times, can't it? Can be rather complicated. But that promise and more is what Jesus is trying to talk about today. But the Pharisees who have come calling on him... They weren't really interested in those promises, but in judgment about what was right and what was wrong. They say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And you know what? They probably knew the answer, that religiously the law did say in Deuteronomy that a man could divorce his wife. But they wanted to trap Jesus to see where he would stand on that law, or would he say something different? They wanted to see if he could pass their particular test of what the orthodox answer should be. And believe it or not, in Jesus' time, divorce was a very easy thing. In fact, much easier than today. Um, The Jewish man, and it was only the man who would just simply write a certificate of divorce and give it to his wife saying he no longer wanted to be married to her. And it was done, and it was over, and that was that. And most of the time, any type of defense, or excuse me, not defense, offense, could be used for justification. From adultery to preparing a bad meal. And that seems kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? But afterwards, the woman, the wife, was left in this horrible and often destitute circumstances without status, without a family, and without honor. And we all know a woman couldn't just go get a job back then. It just wasn't those possibilities. And she had to find some way to support herself. And the children they had, the children stayed with the father because they were his possessions, just like she had been. Jesus says in response to these realities, like he often does, in his answer, he ups. The ante. And he says, because of your hardness of heart, divorce is legal. But he also says, with compassion to those who have been discarded and who have been treated as worthless, that people are created to love one another. That's what our Genesis text says when the writer says, Ah, at last the bone of my bone and the flesh of my flesh. We are created to be in relationship with people, and often, maybe sometimes, that is uh, in a marriage. And in a marriage, two people become one, a bond that is not likely broken. And divorce will bring its consequences, and that can be very hurtful. And that's what Jesus was trying to say to those Pharisees who had gathered there. Jesus' words make God's intention for marriage very clear. Marriage creates a union in which two people participate, and as they participate, they are changed. A sacred relationship of love and responsibility to one another. And thankfully, our definition of marriage has changed in the past few years so that everyone can, can uh, marry and seek support that comes through marriage, which is to last a lifetime. Our ideal for marriage is the same as Jesus And I'm always acutely aware of this, this ideal, this God's intention for marriage, when I preside at a wedding service. In fact, at a marriage service, we celebrate with hope that the union the people are making that particular day will last a lifetime. We pray that their union, their marriage, will be a blessing to them, and by being a blessing to them, they will bless others. And we often speak about, at those particular services, we speak about how God's unconditional love for us can fuel our love for one another as a couple. And so the partners know that they are loved unconditionally for a lifetime. But then there's this. When we gather at a marriage service, often we are aware of this particular reality. The reality behind the old joke ...that the real reason people are crying at a wedding is because they know what those two people are getting themselves into. Marriage is and can be very hard work. Calling for people to give everything they've got and then something to that particular relationship. And when all goes well, we know that the marriage can be a real blessing... And as I look around this congregation, I know many of you have experienced marriage as a real blessing. But we also know, we also know that sometimes terrible things happen in marriages, and our marriage service even names that by saying that sometimes the gift of marriage can become a burden. It's just right there in the service, and I have to... Um, commend those people who wrote the service. They are identifying something that's very real. Marriage can be a burden because sometimes there are things like abuse. And no one should be expected to endure abuse. And sometimes this particular gospel reading has been used to tell a spouse that they have to stay in a marriage even if it's abusive. That's painful to think about and sometimes there's infidelity, and sometimes there are addictions which tear the bond of marriage apart. It just tears it in two. Or sometimes it's it's just a little more subtle than that. Sometimes um, there is this whole thing that people might just mistrust their partner. Maybe they lack the commitment to really be in that relationship, or maybe there's simply this lack of maturity Or something else that damages the marriage day after day until finally there's this canyon between the two people that can never be crossed. It's just too big. This can lead us to say this, that sometimes divorce then ends up being the best option. Or maybe you might say the only option. When I was in college, my college roommate Lori, her parents divorced her first year of college. And it was really, really quite a sad thing that she had to work through. They lived in Florida. She was in Texas. But she said they've been unhappy for years, and they've stayed in the marriage. At least she thought that was true for her brothers and her sake. But eventually, her parents recognized that nothing more uh, could be done. They had tried a lot of different things to stay married. And even though they recognized that there was no good time to have a divorce, but it seemed necessary to do in that particular moment because there was stress and tension and just unhappiness in the household. I remember Lori telling me after they were divorced that she was relieved that the divorce had finally taken place, even though her heart was broken, that her home would no longer be the same. We know like a rock dropped in a lake, ripples go out, right? Right? And so with a divorce, when that happens, ripples go out, too. Relationships are destroyed. Uh, Family and friends are sometimes polarized, trying to say, oh, I'm here, I'm there. You know, who do they side with? Children suffer. And that's also the reality to what Jesus is pointing to here. Because of our hardness of heart, because our world is a broken place, because there is the power of sin, We know that promises are broken and there are consequences in life. And there's a conviction here about divorce. There's no way around that. But Jesus is not holding up divorce as a greater sin than anything else or a greater um, brokenness than anything else. It's not any greater than lying or being angry or not loving your neighbor or anything else that turns us away from God. Those sins have consequences, too. Those sins affect individuals and communities and families. And that's where the church sometimes, and that's where the people of faith sometimes, have elevated this passage of scripture way beyond its bounds and have used it as a club to smack people who are already wounded and suffering and are in pain because what is taking place in their lives. As a pastor, I've heard those stories. I've heard how I've heard how people have been hurt by this particular text and how the church issues it uses it. But with Jesus there's always grace, right? There's always forgiveness, right? There's always unconditional love, right? And we have to hold on to that and remember that. And hopefully as you listen to this text today, you didn't stop listening with those first words is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Hopefully you continued to listen and you, and you uh, heard what happened in that second part of the text. People are bringing children to Jesus so he might bless them. And we hear in this text that Jesus gets on his high horse and says, uh, not Jesus, excuse me. Well, Jesus does get on his high horse. And he uh, says to the the disciples, kind of stop it. Let the children come to me. Let the children come to me. And the children are, we know, as Pastor Alex told us a couple weeks ago, children were seen as insignificant and not important in the biblical world. But yet Jesus says, let those children come to me because I care about them too. And so Jesus says, does invite the children to come, even when other people are pushing them away. And he does the unthinkable. He embraces them. He blesses them. He touches them. And he says that for those who want to be a part of God's kingdom, they must be like little children too. And what I think he's really suggesting is we come to Jesus, we come to God with nothing, and we just come with these open hearts that trust that love uh, for us. We don't come with, Scorecards that point out failures of other people. We don't come with self righteous attitudes that say we are perfect, we got it right. Nor do we have to just come always presenting our shame and guilt. We come with open hearts, trusting God's grace and love. And we are grateful for Jesus, our Savior, who invites us to love and to be, uh, to live and to be loved by God. We're grateful for that. We are grateful because Jesus embodies his love when he welcomes and forgives and heals the whole world and individuals. We are grateful that Jesus invites those little children who were seen as insignificant to be a part of his kingdom too. So today, no matter what circumstances of life we find ourselves in, whether we're married or not, Whether we've succeeded in a marriage or failed, or somewhere in between that, maybe a little bit of each, in the embrace of Christ, we know this, that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. We know that we are welcomed in God's kingdom because Jesus welcomed those children who were marginalized. And I think in essence he was saying, I welcome those who have experienced divorce too. And that's an important message. So yes, there is room in God's house, room in God's house for all people, room in God's house for all people um, because he loves them and they are his children and will be his children forever. Amen.